Welcome to Revitalize and Restart, a podcast dedicated to the discussion of church revitalization, restart, and renewal. We invite you to listen as a host and some of the best practitioners in the field of church revitalization and restart discuss issues facing the church in America. And now, here is your host, Dr. Steve Sells, author, conference speaker, and president of Operation Transformation. Welcome to another installment of Revitalize and Restart, a podcast brought to you by Operation Transformation Church Revitalization Group based out of Salisbury, North Carolina. I'm Dr. Steve Sales, your host. It's a pleasure to have with us today Dr. Bill Tenney Britton. Bill, Dr. Bill is a managing partner at the Effective Church Group. He began ministry as a church planner in the early 1980s. He's been around a long time in this and over the past 35 years, he's grown churches from one side of the nation to the other. In 2002, he joined Bill Eason's consultation group and began partnering with churches and church leaders to help them reach their fullest potential. He's the author of nine books. Maybe he can tell us about that at the close of this, where people can get it, and the editor of Net Results Magazine. Bill has a BA from Florida Baptist College in Graceland, Florida. Uh, a Master's of Divinity from Candler School of Theology at Emory University in Atlanta, Georgia, and a D-Men from Northwest Graduate School in Seattle, Washington. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Bill. It's an honor to have you with us today. Thanks, Dave. Great to be here. We're going to be talking about a kind of an odd topic. I remember when we communicated, you said this is an odd topic. But I, I think when people stop and listen, they're going to see it's not so odd. It is a tremendous topic. And that topic is this, revitalizing church, why you don't need chairs in the pastor's office. You want to give us some introductory statements on that uh, topic? Well, just, just up front, I want to say that this is not a new remodeling fad. We're, we're not talking about, oh, you need to have, just stand up in your office and whatever. Um, Pastor, you probably actually do need a chair, but only so you can sit down, pick up the phone, make an appointment and get out of the office. And if you're really good, you don't even need that because you've got your cell phone. That's what you ought to be living on anyway, to be to be totally truthful. The the reality is, yeah, it is. It is kind of a weird title, but it really it really speaks to one of the biggest issues that we find the revitalizing church pastors are facing. And that is. They live in their office. It is it, as if they crawl into their uh, man cave or their woman cave, and they close the door and leave me alone. And, and, and even if they have an open door policy where anyone can drop in whenever they want to, the reality is that there is nobody coming to your door and saying, hey, I don't know anything about Jesus. Will you teach me? That, yeah, that yeah. If you want to <laughs> reach people for Jesus Christ, you are going to have to get out of your office and and I, I hear the pushback saying, well, that's what my members are for. Here's the reality is, how's that working for you? <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Well, you know, when you when I got to thinking about this topic, uh, if a pastor stays in his office, he doesn't have much uh, a presence in the community. And if he doesn't have much presence in the community, uh, he's not developing a, a, a culture of relationships in that community to win people to Jesus Christ. That's exactly right. That, that one of the things that that is a reality is is the pastor is the face of the church in the in the community. 
And if the pastor is stuck in the office, then, of course, the church has no face in the community. Uh, because, I mean, let's be honest, everyone wants to meet the CEO. That's the reality of any business is that, you know, the CEO, the business owner, um, sometimes the manager, but normally the manager gets called when there's a problem. But it's the CEO who want who, the people want to meet. They want to talk to the, the head dog and, you know, talked about, you know, what's going on at their business or whatever. So the pastor has to get out of the office, build relationships. One of the things, you know, we recommend is, you know, you're spending time and I don't care how big your city is. You can probably get an appointment with the mayor. You know, you may have to wait for a while to get that appointment if you're in a big city. But in the town that I live in, the mayor and I are on first name basis. We, we, We have lunch together. Sometimes we have breakfast together. We hang out together. And because of the relationship that we built, the church that I attend gets very regularly gets invited to lead things for the city. And we get the call for all sorts of, you know, civic responsibilities, which of course puts us in front of people who largely are unchurched. And that gives the, the pastor the opportunity to meet, to greet, to build relationships, to find where those chemistries are. Because let's, let's be honest, pastor, you're not called to reach everybody. Just like Jesus, he said, I'm here for the, you know, I'm, I'm here for the, the, the lost sheep of Israel. And then it's very clear he focused on those who were either broken or marginalized or those who were seeking something better. You're not going to connect with everybody either. So you're out there, you get to know people, preferably lots of people. You get, again, you're the face of the community and you, you are able to, if you will, pick and choose with those you connect with, because those are the ones you're going to have really good conversations with, which eventually will lead you to having really good spiritual conversations with them. And that, of course, is the first step and the key to evangelism. But you can't do that from your office. That's true. That's true. You know, I, there's two things about this that uh, that strike me automatically when I think about this, because I, I'm in church revitalization as well. And one of the number one things that I run into with, and I talk to them about getting out of the office and, and getting into the community because you, you don't have a clue uh, what your community needs if you're not a part of that community and you need to be out there uh, working, whether it's a small town or, or a large part of a city. Uh, but the one thing that really strikes me, and maybe you can comment on this, is, is a lot of pastors are afraid not to spend time. I've run into two different groups, and you can, you can comment on this. I know you will. There are those who say, I've got to have 30 hours in my office to get my sermons together. And there's, then there's others that say, if I don't spend 30 hours in my office, my congregation gets mad at me because uh, Uncle so-and-so wants to come by and sit down and, and talk with me for an hour every day. So what do you say to these guys who, who say, hey, man, I want to get outside of my office, but these people expect me to be here? Well, for, for one thing, I got well, this is a, you, you've opened several cans of worms. Let's start with <laughs> let's start let's start with the sermon issue. Right. I teach I teach homiletics um, for to with the um, uh, church ministry tr- um, group at Phillips Seminary. This is that we, we train lay pastors uh, yeah. or small church pastors. These are not the regular seminarians. These yes. are the ones who are by and large, sorry, seminarian pastors. 
these are the ones that have the best potential to actually grow churches because mm-hmm. they don't have the same uh, academia uh, background. And so they're mostly a bit in business. And so they know how to interact and have built relationships out there in the community. They know how to do that. But I teach homiletics for them. And one of the things that I teach is if you've been a Christian more than, oh, I don't know, five or 10 years, um, I ought to be able to hand you a scripture passage right now and tell you you got 20 minutes to stand up and deliver a 20-minute oratory with a with a point that is good enough to bring someone to Jesus Christ. Yep. If I know that we were taught in seminary. I was taught one hour for every minute that I that I uh, was going to preach because, you know, it was worth the time. Well, here's the deal is that, and, and this is hard to hear, guys and gals, I know, but great preaching doesn't grow churches. That's true. That's Bad true. preaching will kill a church. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. But good, there's some really great preachers preaching to 25 people or yeah. fewer. And, you know, let's be honest, there's some very mediocre churches or mediocre pastors uh, in terms of preaching who are, they're typically very great leaders who are, who are preaching, you know, okay sermons to, you know, 500 people that your, your sermon isn't the end all be all. And let's be real honest with each other. Your sermon generally is being delivered to the same people every Sunday. <laughs> That's right. And so it really doesn't make a lot of difference how much time you spend on that sermon Amen. if you're not inspiring them to bring new people in. Amen. And you know, let, let's just let's just call it what it is. We're spending 30 hours or 20 hours in our office creating something for our 25 or 30 or 50 or 60 people. And yes, that's important. But if they're not, if their lives aren't transformed to the point where they're bringing new people in to the congregation, if they're not out there sharing their faith, whatever, all that kind of time you're spending is, I don't know about it, it's not really a waste, but let's be honest, it isn't going to revitalize your church. That's right. And so I tell my pastors, I teach this, you can write a sermon in an hour. You really can. You're not going to write a manuscript in an hour, but if you're stuck with a manuscript, then it's time to learn how to preach from notes or even better from a quick outline and go from there. And you can learn this. You know, I, I, like I said, if you have, if you need a class, I teach it at, at uh, Phillips Seminary mm-hmm. and you can find that online, the ministry training uh, program. But the bottom line is you can find, uh, well, I'll just give you a hint. I teach using the book that Adam Stanley uh, wrote, Addie, yeah, Andy Stanley wrote, on um, communicating, uh, c- communication, and I use his I use his outline. I teach his outline. You can write a sermon basically in about an hour. Now that, I'm talking about sitting down. You're writing the sermon all day long. We're writing yeah, it with yeah, the yeah. You know, we read on Monday. We read the scripture. We just sort of live with it. But you don't need the commentaries. Uh, yeah, good to hit the commentary now and again. I hope you have Logos on your phone and you can read it while you're sitting in the coffee shop sometime. But the bottom line is you can write that sermon in an hour now. Stay going to the going to the other issue, the expectations of your church. That's a harder one, but it's important that you begin to break that cycle because that cycle is is absolute craziness. Everybody on this planet, pretty much, unless you're going to the local barber that you've been going to for the last you know twenty years, 
We make an appointment to get our haircut. We make an appointment to see our doctor. We make an appointment to get our tires changed or our, or our um, car tuned up. There's not a thing wrong with making an appointment to see your pastor. And there's not a thing wrong unless you're doing pastoral counseling. And the reality is, pastor, unless you've got a degree in therapy, you probably, your pastoral counseling days need to be pretty much, a, you know, a half hour, 45 minutes, and then refer whoever it is to someone else. Um, but, you know, it, that they make an appointment and you could meet them out at the coffee shop, out at the, mm-hmm. you know, the, the I, I used to go out to the, um, the grain elevator. That's where the guys hung out. Or I went to the, the drugstore, which is where the women hung out. And, you know, you, you go where the people are and you meet them out there. I have a coffee shop that I meet people in. I have two bars that I go to where mm-hmm. I meet people in. I just have my appointments there. And when I'm doing, quote, office work, when I'm writing my sermons, I'm at those places, not in my office, because I, I'm the face of the community and I have to be out there. So there's, there's a number of restaurants I go to, coffee shops and whatever. And this is what I, we recommend folks to do. Yeah. Get out there. Do your work out there now. You probably can't do that week one, but you can say to, if you have a, if you have a, a, an office manager or secretary, receptionist, whatever, say, listen, here's my schedule. And I'm going to spend an hour a day, start off with just cutting your office time an hour a day. That's five hours more a week that you're spending in the community that you weren't spending before. Right. And begin to, you know, erode, if you will, your time in the office. When, the, the best time to set your office hours is before you get hired. When you're in that interview process and mm-hmm. just flat out say, I don't do office hours. And when they, when they balk, say, listen, my job is to help you grow this church. And that means that I have to be out of the office. I have to model to you all what it means to be out with unchurched people. Because let's be honest, your members by and large your members don't know very many people who are in church. And when I say don't know people, I don't mean they, they don't know that Bob at the auto shop isn't a Christian. But the problem is they're not having lunch with Bob at the auto shop. They're right. not hanging out with Bob at the auto shop. They have, by and large, Christians who are in church don't have a lot of friends, people who they're you know, having, having lunch with, breakfast with, coffee with, beer with, whatever. They're not having relationships, building relationships with unchurched. And you cannot be faithful to the Great Commission if you're not hanging around with unchurched people. It just isn't possible. That's right. like your, your life just isn't that attractive that someone sitting across the restaurant goes, wow, that guy must be a Christian. I need to go talk to him. Um, they have to get to know you. They have to see you in action. Mm-hmm. They have to see you really mess something up and then own it and apologize for it and make it right. And they go, wow, I don't know anybody else who does that. Yeah. Um, et cetera. So you've, you've, you've got to get out of the office. Uh, and again, a little bit of time, but you're doing it a for the evangelism piece, but B for the modeling piece, people need to see you. Your church needs to see you interacting and working with unchurched people. And yes, that is difficult to, um, if you've been in your church for a couple of years, and especially the smaller churches, because let's be honest, the smaller churches often think, well, they own the pastor. You're, yeah. We hired you to do our ministry, which, yeah. of course, is not biblical in any way, shape or form. And it's abusive 
Secondly, and see, it is exactly the opposite of what the church was exist. Why the church exists? The church yeah. exists to go out into all the world, not to huddle up in their clubhouse. Amen. Amen. So then, the challenge uh, for most pastors isn't to spend more time in their office, but to spend more time out of the church office. And that's where the the rubber hits the road to be able to grow a church. Uh, You've touched on something just a few minutes ago, and and I like what you said in some of the notes that that we passed back and forth. The Great Commission demands the pastor to be out of the office. Um, is Is it the pastor's job to be the church's evangelist um, and I, I, or is he to model evangelism? The answer to that is yes. Um, here's the, here's the first. The first thing is is in a perfect world, all your members are out there sharing their faith. Yes. That's how it ought to be. I mean, Jesus didn't say to to you know to you will be my witnesses. He was talking to the eleven, you know, at that point. He he was talking to the group. And mm-hmm. you're to be my witnesses from. And the Great Commission is a commission given to every single person who's a follower of Jesus Christ. That's wonderful in theory. But in reality, Pastor, if you're gonna go to if you're gonna grow your church, you're gonna have to not only model it, you, you're gonna have to preach it and live it and probably. And this is how our church revitalization generally goes. You're going to have to be the primary bringer inner of people. <laughs> You're going to have to be the primary fisherman to begin with. Here's how most churches turn around when they actually do turn around. And let's be honest, if we're fair here, the majority of churches that try to turn around don't. They, you know, they, 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 any, anyone can grow a church. You throw me enough money, I can I can double, triple the size of your church in two weekends. Uh, major advertising blitz and all the rest. The problem is keeping them. Yes, they're sir. they're in keeping the business, keeping the business of growing the church going. So if you're going to grow your church, pastor, you've got to get out there and you've got to get the first two or three or four people who are new Christians. We're not talking about the duns. We're not going out there to get the people who used to be Christians and used to go to church mm-hmm. and revive because they come back with the same baggage that they went out yes. with. We're talking about new transformed lives. You get out there and you really do evangelism. You, and, and that takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. Um, mm-hmm. it, you know, it, it used to be, we knocked on the door, been there, done that, did this in the 1980s, knocked on the door, Dothan, Alabama, went door to door, did the you know the the church survey? Hey, we're starting a new church down the street. We we want to know how we can be effective. But then we always get to the you know that first question. You know, if you know if you if you died tonight, you know for sure you'd go to heaven. And they'd always say, well, yes. What are you based that on? And they'd tell you. And no matter what they said, the the quite the payoff question was in Dothan, Alabama, was would you like to know what the Bible says? And Almost every time, well, yes, I would. You get invited in. They're, you know, within 20, 30 minutes, you rock, walk through your Romans road. They've, they've, they're down on their knees. They accept Jesus Christ, and they're in church. That doesn't work anymore. Mm-hmm. Those people that, that worked with, had they may not have ever been in church. They probably had been. Um, mm-hmm. But they, they understood Christendom, Christianity, basically. Today, People don't understand Christianity. They don't. They don't have the what's called the meta story. They don't know the background. 
it takes, we're finding about three years of relationship building to, for someone who is an absolute, uh, you know, a no, in, no interest and no, um, no experience with Christianity and church to walk them into the kingdom. That takes time. So you're going to have to spend time out there. But when they turn, when that light bulb goes on, they are sold out. They are excited. And that's what you need to grow a church is that new excitement <laughs> of Jesus Christ is everything in my life. And this, the, 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 my life is different. And I've got to share that. You get three or four of those people into your congregation. They're inviting all their friends. Now, everyone else in your church They've already invited all their friends. They've done that, you know, because every pastor has ever stood in that pulpit says, you need to invite your friends. Well, they have. They've invited everyone they know, and everyone they know is either now in church or they said no, or they're at the Presbyterian church or the, you know, the Methodist church or wherever, they're down the street, or they're just not going. They're the duns. And so you get new people, and that's, they bring new people, and the new people bring new people, and those new, and that's how churches get revitalized. Yeah. It almost never gets revitalized because you activated your membership. It gets revitalized because you have brought someone in to Jesus Christ who's excited, and they share it with their friends who share it with their friends, and that's the group that grows the church. So, Pastor, yeah. that's the group you have to hang around with. You have to nurture. You have to invest in, and you've got to continue to do that. Um, I believe it was Paul Borden years ago. I hope I got maybe Paul Nixon. See, that's why we have too many Pauls in your life. Anyway. Um, that they uh, how to how to uh, uh, kill your church or uh, 365 days. Yeah, and he talks about they they did great study, and the majority of churches that were seeing significant growth, the pastor spent at least 50 percent of his or her time with unchurched people. Yeah, 50 percent. Now, when we work with congregations, we tell uh, the pastor of a church that is under 200 that that number needs to be upwards of 70% of your time with unchurched people. That that's, I know pastor, you're going, wow, you know, that's, that's, that's incredible. You can do it. If you'll hand off the things that belong to other people, there's a whole lot of ministry you're doing that it really belongs to someone in your congregation. And they're not doing it for a couple of reasons. Number one, they're doing it because you're doing it. Yeah. Number two, they're not doing it because if you weren't doing it, you know, Mildred's doing it because Mildred's always done it and Mildred won't let go or whatever, you know. And and the, the, the other thing is, is you're doing it because someone told you it was your job and they want to make sure it stays your job. Yeah. You know, you've got to stop doing some of these things that pastors do this, pastors do that, pastors, you know, it's the pastor's responsibility. And, and no, it's not. I mean, if, if you go and just look biblically, Acts 6 is my favorite chapter. Acts 6, right at the very beginning, the food bank has a problem. The, the, the food is not being distributed like it's supposed to be. And so they come to the apostles and say, you need to fix that. And the apostles go, no, not our job. Our job is to preach the gospel to all the world. That's not how they put it. It's a minister, the, minister of the of the word and prayer. Yeah, that means they're out there spreading the gospel. That's what they did. Yeah. They were out there preaching, not to the congregation, but to the unchurch. And they said, listen, you got to go find some folks who are, you know, they're they're wise, they're they're known by you all, they're behaving like Christians, and we'll train them or we'll get them trained on how to do food, food management, and you let them do it because that's not our job. Yeah. 
Their job, Acts or not, uh, Ephesians four eleven to I think it's thirteen or fourteen, which is you know the job of the pastor and all that is to raise up the saints to do the ministry. Amen. Your job is not to do the ministry. Your job is to win souls for Jesus Christ, to lead the congregation and to model. And you know, Steve, you said is the pastor supposed to model? If you're not doing it, pastor, no one in your church is going to do it yeah. because. You are leading. Leaders go out in front and do what they want others to do. They show, they model, they're doing it. Jesus went out and he healed. Jesus went out and he preached. Jesus went out and he cast out demons. Then he said, okay, now, guys, you see me do it? I need you to go do it. He said that to the 12. He said that to the 72. And then he said that to the church. You've seen me do it. Now you go do it. you got to model. Yeah, yeah. But go ahead. Go ahead, Steve. No, I, 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 I I've been on that tangent for a while. Well, no, no, I, actually, I mean, that is tremendous truth that you just shared. The fact of the matter is, when I've worked with these pastors, the churches that I've worked with, um, if the pastor was out of his office modeling, it always seemed that there was at least a group of people that followed that model That's right. in that congregation. And and uh, the church, the churches, and that's the only way a church is ever going to uh, accomplish anything. Pastor can't do it on his own, but he's got to right. model it to other people. Will come out and exactly and, right. uh, and do this as well. And, uh, and here's here's the thing, Steve. One of the things I find is that yeah, I, I said the pastor's the leader, and pastor, whether you're growing your church or not, you are a great leader because you got people following you. If you're not doing evangelism, they're following you because they aren't yeah. either. That's you it. Know, that's the bottom line is if you're doing it, they'll do it. Not everybody, but that if you if you're doing it, someone else is going to do it. That's and it. that's double what you have today. Yep. Yep. So yeah. Well, you 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 talked about also we we were gonna um we'll talk a little bit about this thing of a church survival rate. Uh can can a church survive if the pastor doesn't do this modeling like like we're talking about uh i mean when you start think about it uh staying in the office never going out and modeling evangelism or outreach or caring it breeds a kind of a culture that uh says ministry's got to come to me i'm not going to go to it Rather than fostering a culture of we've got to go to the where the people are, the highways and the hedges, um, I, you know, I, I'm convinced that every hour that a pastor spends behind the desk that he doesn't need to spend there is an hour that's wasted in evangelizing and discipling other people. Um, and I think through this, you create ministry in your church. Am I right or wrong? Oh, no, I think you're spot on. And, you know, can a church survive if the pastor stays behind the office and no one does evangelism and all that? Well, it depends on your endowments and how, how well you've invested, because there are churches that have millions of dollars in the bank yeah. and they, you know, they can live perpetually and they will be they will be there in 100 years preaching to the four people there in the congregation. Yeah. Now, here's my here's my question or my observation. Is it a church? No, that's a private club. And, um, you know, there's a difference between a club and a church. A church is the body of Christ, and the body of Christ, that you know, you never saw Jesus sitting at a desk. 
You never saw him standing at the standing at the um, at the at the door shaking hands. Say, well, y'all make sure you invite someone next week. They, they they continually went out. They said, "Where's Jesus? Oh, he's already gone out. He's he's gone out to pray and he's gone out to the public. He comes in and says, "Hey, listen, we're going to the next town because we're done here. We've been here long enough. Time to move on. Time to go to the next bar. Time to go to the next coffee shop. Time to go to the next." He's out there all the time. He didn't say, "Hey, someone build me a synagogue." Um, in fact, you know, if, if we model the church on a model. Uh, where we build our churches based on a model that didn't exist for over 300 years. The, the church did not have buildings. They did not have offices. You know, they, they, they were in homes and they went from home to home, from house to house. They went to city to city. They got out there, got on the buses. Okay, not really, but they got out there and they went out and they moved around and they met new people. They shared their faith and they, they made a difference in the world that way. Attractional model of church has never been terribly um, good uh, or terribly effective, but it's especially not effective now. Yeah. Um, I know a church that spent literally $10,000 in direct mail for Easter, um, 10 grand. They sent out five batches of postcards to wow. the same people, which is, I mean, that's two more postcards that, than, than most direct mail places recommend. They're going, this church wanted to be seen. They wanted, they got three families for that 10 grand. And the, the three families that showed up, only two stayed um, for any length. And uh, these people had a long history of church. It's, it's, we're selling a product no one wants. And so you could, you could market, um, if you have no hair, I'm, I'm sitting back here nicely. Um, <laughs> but if you, if you have no hair, selling, trying to sell a hairbrush to that person is a waste of time. People don't want church. People especially don't want church. They're not terribly interested in Christianity. And until they know a Christian and know what Christianity is all about and see some sort of a benefit, wow. and they don't get that from a postcard. They don't get that from billboards. They don't get that from, um, you know, the, the devotionals you're doing on YouTube or whatever. You know, the, the people who respond to that are people who are already in uh, they may not be in your church, but they're already at least familiar now with the gospel. They've made some sort of decision one way or the other. Yeah. The people who need to be evangelized, they're not going to respond to your marketing. They're not coming to your church um, for, for any reason. I, yeah. I mean, p- people aren't even being married or buried in churches anymore. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, true. Well, I heard an old preacher tell me one time years ago, uh, an old mentor of mine, and he said, listen, if you have to feed them a hot dog to get them there, you'll end up having to feed them steak to keep them. There you are. And when you think of that, that's really, I mean, it's pretty, pretty blunt statement, but it's really true. Yep. Well, Bill, our time is almost gone. Can you just give a few closing remarks that would draw these, uh, this whole thing together for the pastors and leaders that are listening? Well, here, here's the bottom line. The church should demand that the pastor stay out of the office because the pastor is responsible for church growth. Amen. There's no one else going to do it because if they could have done it, they'd have done it. Yeah. And so your members should be demanding that you are out of the office. And so if you're a lay person in your congregation, listen to this, you know, you need to be down to your, your pastor's office. And say, what are you doing in here? Yeah. Because you can't grow this church from here. And and if, if the pastor, well, I got to write this sermon, you know, and whatever, it's like, 
dude, stand up and just talk to us on Sunday. Uh, you just, you know, have a conversation with us, but you need to be out building relationship and showing me how to do that yeah. and showing the others, the rest of the congregation, how to do that. That should be every church's mandate. The church's mandate ought to be to give the pastor the closet for the, for the office, not the big corner room, but a closet because, yeah. you know, you don't need to be here, pastor. That your secretary will know and keep track. They, they should have your calendar. You shouldn't be keeping your calendar. They should keep their calendar. And we know how to find you, which, by the way, doesn't mean go to your house and work. It yeah. means being out and about. It, the churches, if they insist on that, we'll begin to see churches transform. Amen. Well, our time is gone. But give us quickly how folks can get in touch with you, especially with the books that you've written and that kind of thing very quickly. All our books are on Amazon.com. Um, Bill Tenney Britton is is the the author, but there's um, and by the way, I've written twelve books, not nine. That's a, okay. that was gold stat. I have gold um, stats. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but in any event, you can find my books at Amazon.com. Um, you can find more about us at EffectiveChurch.com, and you can find Net Results Magazine, which has been around since 1980. We've been in continued publication since 1980. Um, you can find that at. Uh, <laughs> at netresults.org. Okay, brother. Well, thank you so much, man, for being with us today. This has been quite informative. Great, great time together. And I'm sure that uh, folks that are listening got a, a lot of information that they hopefully will put into effect in their in their churches. Now, for those of you that are listening, if you heard something today that will help you to lead your church, uh, let us know. Tell your friends and your and your church leaders about the podcast. Be sure to like the podcast, subscribe to it, so that you'll know when we put up the next post. Uh, this is Dr. Steve Sell saying thanks for listening, and and Dr. Bill, thank you for being with us. And my prayer is that something we discuss today might help you help your church in the future. God Amen. bless you. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for Revitalize and Restart. Make sure to visit our website, www.operation-transformation.org, and subscribe to our show in iTunes, Stitcher, or via RSS, so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or, if you simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. Don't forget to join us next time, and again, thanks for listening.